0: Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. I discovered in the first service that as the guest preacher, I don't get a bumper video, so I have to walk out here into this awkward silence. Well, my name is Ed Hancock, and it is my blessing to serve here as the executive pastor. Uh, In fact, this is my uh, 365th day at Woodridge as the executive pastor. And if all goes well, well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And if all goes well, tomorrow will be my one year anniversary and I'm taking the day off. Next weekend, we have a marriage weekend and it's not too late to sign up, okay? So with your registration, if you have children, you get childcare, you get a steak dinner and a night out of the house. That checks all the boxes for a date night. So still not too late to sign up and you can sign up at woodridge.org. Now, uh, I know what you're thinking. We've never seen this guy before. How long is this gonna take? Well, I've had nothing to eat and five cups of coffee. So hold on, we're going fast. How many of you would say that you make resolutions for the new year? By show of hands, how many make resolutions? Okay, good, good. I'm gonna start out today by helping you out. Okay, here are the top 10 resolutions for 2024 from Parade Magazine. Are you ready? Number one, focus on passion, not the way you look. Work out to feel good, not be thinner. Number three, stop gossiping. I'm not looking up. You know who you are. (laughs) Number four, give one compliment a day. Number five, go a whole day without checking your email. I've decided that's Friday for me. You can call or text. I'm not checking my email. Number six, do random acts of kindness. Number seven, read a book a month. You can start with the Bible. That's an awesome first book to start with, but read a book a month. Number eight, go someplace you have never been. Number nine, clear out the cutter, clutter. And number 10, turn off your phone one night a week. And in the first service, I stared at my wife when I said that I'm not making that mistake again. That, that, didn't, that did not go well. But we're gonna start turning off our phones one night a week. Well, today we are going to be in the book of Ephesians in chapter four, and we're gonna start in verse 17, and I'll give you a couple of minutes to get there. Um, The book of Ephesians was written by Paul, and it is one of the prison epistles. Uh, Bible scholars sometimes disagree on whether he was imprisoned in Caesarea or imprisoned in Rome at the time he wrote the letter, but the, the predominant view is that he was imprisoned in Rome. And the book of Ephesians is divided into two parts, and I think the best description of that comes from Dr. David Jeremiah, who says describes Ephesians as chapters 1 through 3 stress doctrinal truths, such as Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You are saved by faith through grace. And the second part, which is chapters 4 through 6, describe how we should live because of those truths. And it is in that second part, I am so sorry. I adjusted my uh, microphone at the end of the first service because there was something wrong and now it's causing me some other issues. So I apologize. Let me see if I can fix this real quick. Okay, so we're gonna be in the second part today. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let us pray. But Father in heaven, we just give you glory for today, the opportunity to gather here together. Father, I pray that, that you would forgive me where I have failed you, where you would move me out of the way today and speak to your people through your word and that you would be glorified in all that we do. So Father, we just thank you for being present with us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this place today. We give you all the glory and we pray these things in Jesus' holy name, Amen. So our message today focuses on that second part, that, that part where we are to live how believers are supposed to live. And, and Paul starts in Ephesians 4 by talking about our old self and our new self. So in Romans ten nine it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So at that very moment, The moment that you asked Jesus into your heart, your heart was regenerated. So now there's a new self and there's an old self. Same person, same body. You just have two selves, an old self and a new self. And as we walk through the, the scripture today, what we'll see is that Paul wants us to put off the things of the old self. And he wants us to put on the things of the new self. So we're gonna start uh, right there in verse 17 where Paul is saying not to be like other people. He's saying, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And that word Gentile there, the word that's used in the Greek is ethnos, which means a, a group of people or a nation. What Paul is saying is don't be like the rest of the world. Don't walk as the world walks. Don't act the way the world acts. You're to be different. Matthew Henry, the 18th century Bible expositor refers to this group of people as ignorant and unconverted heathens. And I know what Matthew Henry is talking about because at one time in my life, I was ignorant and an unconverted heathen. I was a lost man living in a lost world, doing what lost people do. So I understand what he says when he talks about being ignorant and unconverted. But but why? Why not just be ignorant and unconverted? Because it darkens our understanding of the Lord. We are alienated from the life of God. We have hard hearts, we've become callous, and we have given ourselves over to all types of sins. So you may be asking yourself, well, what types of sins are those? What, what is it that, that makes us like the old self and what is, that makes us like the new self? We see that list for the old self in Colossians 3 5 through 9. This is another one of the prison epistles that, that Paul wrote, he wrote it after the book of Ephesians, wrote it while he was imprisoned. In Rome and in Colossians 3, he begins to expand upon what it means to live as the old self or to live as the new self. So he gives us a list and he says, put these things to death, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And the the Greek tense of that command means to do it now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Put this to death now. Don't mess with this. Why? Because those are things that are internal to us. Those Those are heart issues. That list of things when acted upon in your heart, creates a barrier between you and God. Now, growing up, or when I was a younger man, I had a sailboat and I loved to sail. And social media knows I love to sail because every time I open Facebook and I hit that little marketplace button, guess what I get? List after list of used sailboats. And I scroll through them and I look at them and and think about what it would take to restore one or just to be back out on the water again. And that's okay, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But if there comes a point in time, when I begin to, to put that sailboat ahead of my kids or my wife, ahead of my family, ahead of God, ahead of my time with God, then it becomes an idol. It becomes something that creates a barrier between me and God. A sailboat in and of itself is not a bad thing. But making it an idol makes it a bad thing. Sexual impurity is a bad thing. Paul is telling us to put those things to death. And you may say, well... It's just inside, it's in my heart. Nobody's gonna see it, nobody's gonna know about it. Dr. O.S. Hawkins, in his book, VIP, Influencing People with Vision, Integrity and Purpose says, when we root our integrity in the secret and hidden place where we get alone with God, that integrity will soon be reflected in our relationships with those who know us best. And What Dr. Hawkins is saying is that what's on the inside is going to come out. It's going to show up on the outside. And if what's on the inside is integrity, what shows up on the outside will be integrity. But if what's on the inside is one of those items that are on that list, it will eventually come out. And if that's what's going on in your life, friend, it is only a matter of time before it comes out. And one of the, the downsides of being in ministry is we have to deal with broken people who are really broken. And a lot of that brokenness that we deal with comes from something that was on the inside that was not put to death or not put away. And it has now come out and it has destroyed relationships, it's destroyed marriages. The command to put those things away should never, should never be taken lightly. You need to put those things away. But then Paul gives us a list of things that we are to put off, and and the Greek word there means to put off like you would take off dirty clothes. You're just to get rid of some things. The things that you're to get rid of are things like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Whereas the first list were things that that were internal, things that were inside. These are things that are external. These are the things that the world sees. If Monday through Friday as you go to work, what the world sees is anger or gossip, cruelty, filthy language, dishonesty, then what do you think happens when you look at someone one day and say, hey, would you like to come to church with me? And the answer is going to be, whatever it is you've got, I don't want it. I see it all around me. Those are the things that the world judges us by. Those are the things that we are to put off. I'm not talking about false piety. I'm not talking about a a holier-than-thou attitude but what I'm talking about is living out your faith in a way that when the world sees it, they know that something is different about you. I had a, a good friend, his name is uh, Eddie, and, and for a year we taught Sunday school together. And Eddie at one time was a, a traveling uh, missionary, but uh, he had, God had called him to a different stage of life and he was selling commercial doors, you know, the sliding glass doors like you see at HEB or commercial roll-up doors. And there was a a young man that that Eddie had been witnessing to, been sharing the gospel with. And this young guy wasn't having it, wasn't having anything to do with it. Well, one day when this young man wasn't at work, Eddie was installing one of these commercial roll-up doors and the door slipped and crushed his hand. Now he's okay, it was just required some surgery, it was in in a cast for a while. But when that young man came back to work, he had one question. When that door came down and hit Eddie's hand, did he say a curse word? Now you can think, that's pretty hard. I mean, wouldn't you at least care whether or not he was okay? But what this guy wanted to know was, is the guy who's talking the talk walking the walk? What happened when that door hit his hand? Is everything he told me true, or is it just a lie? Now, fortunately, Eddie didn't curse when that door hit his hand. Not exactly sure what he did. I know it hurt a lot, but he did not curse. He didn't ruin his testimony by acting like the old self. And can we say the same for ourselves? Can we say that that door hit my hand, would a curse word come out? Now, I hope the door never hits my hand. I hope I don't have to, I don't have, hope I have to be tested in that way. But, but we will all be tested. If we're out there in the world, we will be tested. And when that time comes, what's your reaction going to be? We've talked about the characteristics of the old self, both the internal characteristics and the external characteristics. Now let's talk about the characteristics of the new self. What does the new self look like? Well, in in verse 20 of Ephesians four, Paul says this, but that it is not the way you learned Christ. And he's emphatic in that statement that this isn't Jesus. He then says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. This is something Jesus said of himself. In the upper room with the disciples, he said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. So that we know that the truth is in Jesus, and if Jesus is in you, then the truth should be in you as well. Paul says in verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, which are the things that were in the prior list. And then he says, starting in verse 23, this is where he gets to the good stuff. He says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That word renewed there is is not sometimes how we would think of renewed. It's not like renewing your driver's license or renewing a lease. It's not what you would hear from some type of Eastern religion where you can be your own God and renew your own mind. The type of renewal that Paul is talking about here, you can't do yourself. It means that a force from outside has acted upon you that has caused the renewing of your mind. And that force is Jesus Christ. At the time that we pray and ask Him into our heart, at that time that our heart's been regenerated, the spirit of our minds has been renewed because that force from the outside has acted upon us. And then once this happens, we put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what are some of the characteristics of the new self? What does it look like? What should it look like to the outside world when we put on that new self? Well, Paul gives us that list in Colossians 3. 12 through 14, and I'll summarize it here. Paul says that we are to have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And and not just love, but Paul says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's what the new self is supposed to look like. That's what the world should see because Christ is in us. These concepts are, are, are very important to me and they're important to me and, and I'll explain that to you by telling you a story. As some of you may know, my first career was in in law enforcement and I ended that time in the detective division. And I will just tell you that the detective squad room is a rough and tumble place. It is no place for kids or pets. It is rough. There were two uh, men in that, that squad room that I worked with, Jim and John. Jim uh, sat across from me and there was just something about Jim that was different. He had this peace and this presence about him that in the middle of all of this chaos and harshness, there was just something different about him. And what I came to learn after a while is that that Jim was a believer. He had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. and, And he wasn't haughty about it. He wasn't holier than thou about it. It just oozed out of him. His heart was so full of Jesus that it just bubbled over. Not too much longer after that, I took a deferred retirement and went into the business world. And then Dean and I moved to North Texas with our family. And then we had everything the world told us that we should have, house and cars and good jobs But man, I was miserable. I was still a lost person in a lost world. God was gracious enough to to put another man in my life that had those same characteristics as Jim. His name was Monty. And I knew there was something different about Monty because I met Monty through coaching football and he didn't win too many football games. And his kids loved him and his parents loved him. And in Texas, if you don't win football games and people still love you, and they don't give you $75 million to go away, there is something different about you. And I saw that in Monty. I saw the same thing in Monty I saw in Jim. So on a Friday night, when Monty called and said, hey, I've invited another coach, would you like to come to church on Sunday? I said, yes, because whatever you have and what Jim has, I want. And that Sunday, Dean and I made our first uh, visit to Prestonwood Baptist Church. And it was there that I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. Not just one week. I prayed that four weeks in a row. I had been lost for so long that I wanted to make sure I didn't mess it up. Now, you don't have to pray it four weeks in a row. You, one time and you're, you're done. But that's how lost I was. that feeling of when Jesus came into my heart and that new self, the regeneration of my heart, I desired that forever. You say, okay, well, this was a story about Jim and John. What about John? Well, in 2004, God called us back to Florida and uh, sometime after that, I began serving in full-time vocational ministry. And I ran into John he was a chaplain with the sheriff's office. In fact, he was their head chaplain. And we were planning a funeral and and it was during those conversations that I found out that, that during this time in that detective squad room, that when John came in there every day, faced the wall, never spoke to anybody, never seemed like he was in a good mood, that he was a bivocational ordained Southern Baptist pastor now, I love John. He's a great guy. And, and he shepherds his people well. But he was living in two worlds. He had a Sunday world. He had a Monday through Friday world. And in that Monday through Friday world, he didn't speak. He wasn't kind. And if John had just come up to me and said, hey, this Sunday, would you like to come to church? I said, no. Whatever it is that makes you face that wall and not talk to anybody, I don't want that. So it's important, it's important that we live out that new self in our everyday life because you never, you never know who that's going to affect. You never know who that person is that's watching, who's one day going to want that for themselves. Tony Evans says it like this Before you and I were saved, we were like radios that only had one station. Everything we heard was from the vantage point of the old us. When you came to Christ, a new station has been added to your life. But unless you tune in, you will never hear the music. Many of us are still feeding from the old station. And so we are living the old way, even though God has given us a brand new channel. Unless you tune in, however, you will never hear about the power that you have in Christ That's why you don't hang around people who are only playing old music, because if you do, you're going to be singing the same old song. What God has done is to give us a new channel once we come to Christ. He wants us to understand that we've been united with Him. If you're here today and you've only got one radio station, I want to give you the opportunity before you leave here to start the new year with the new radio station, to start the new year with the new self. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.